0: We've kind of been sold this idea that it's the way of salvation. Uh, you know, different pockets of the world believe different ways. We live in an area of the country of the world that kind of believes this idea that God's in control, that everything that's happening is happening because he's either allowing it for some strange plan, which we looked at this, in this series is actually kind of undergirded by that Luciferian mindset trying to pervert the will and the plan of God, God, you know, or into the extreme where everything that's happening was preordained by God and, it, it, you know, there's winners and losers picked already. In other words, people that can be saved and can't be saved. And You know, so we kind of live in this mindset of, well, if God wanted it for me, then he'd make it happen. And if it's not happening, then he must not want it for me. How many of you have ever believed that way before? And, and honestly, it's, it's the predominant mindset that we hear in churches. And so you kind of get this, Unscriptural phrase, well, God's in control. Well, everything happens for a reason. Well, God works in mysterious ways. It's like, no, He's revealed His ways to us. We know what His will is. We know what He wants for us. It's evidenced in Christ. There is a salvation that is available for you to experience that is by grace through faith that you can have what you want to, what you can believe for. Now, I'm not saying you lack faith to get it. We're not putting it into that kind of camp because there's a balance of grace and faith. But my point is, we, we are, we're not presented or engaged on the level of expecting transformation. We, you know, a lot, of, a lot of religion expects, and when I say religion, I mean performance-oriented Christianity that looks at the outward to judge what kind of, how good of a Christian you are or not. You know, we, we, we expect right behavior, but at the expense of what's going on inwardly. What I want to do is spend time nourishing who you are in spirit, Nourishing that new man, that inner person that God has recreated you to be, that you already are, feed that aspect of you until you live with the awareness that that's who you actually are. You, you, right now, you actually already are that new man. You already are that new woman. It's the eternal aspect that is true of you. And so what we want to do is facilitate uh, fellowship and worship and, and, and ministry in such a way where you put on that mindset and live out of the strength of who you already are. Amen? Amen. We are constantly going to reinforce that to you and talk about ways to renew your mind so that you do live from that perspective. But there are some things that are hanging around from your old way that need to be cleaned up and dealt with, right? Right? And and if we don't deal with those things, then we stay stuck, and we don't live within the strength of what we can live within. We don't yield to grace to live that transformative life, and we stay stuck. And sometimes people's stuck states become their theology. Well, if God wanted it for me, then he'd make it happen. And if the fact that it's not happening and I don't have it, it must mean that he doesn't want it for me. And, I, I, you know, I want to just kill that sacred cow, because it's just not true. Jesus prayed your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> and, and, I, and, I, and I want, you know, so, so in that approach, I want the externals to take care of themselves as you deal with the inner. Right? I think a lot of, even, so, so in certain realms of Christianity, where you're taught that you can believe for healing and provision and all that kind of stuff and for God to speak to you, it's still kind of this external process. Well, I'm waiting for this to show up, and I'm waiting for him to do this, and I'm waiting, in the, the fact that it's not here, something's going on, and it's like, no, you deal with the inner, and it affects the outer. The way that it affects the outer, the external, is you deal with internally where you are with him and who you are so that you make yourself receptive to his leading, and if you're receptive to his leading, you will find yourself in the circumstances that you know that are yours by promise. Are you with me? So in other words, instead of just praying out here to the external God, God, will you change my life? Will you change me? Will you do these things out here? I see it in your word that you say I can have this. You deal with it inwardly. You put on the new man. You adopt the mindset that you, of who you are. You, you lift him up. You exalt him. You are honest with yourself. You deal with the insecurities and shortcomings that you have inwardly. And as you deal with that stuff, it prepares you to be led by him. And as you are led by him, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will lead you along the path of blessing, but it's, it's dealing with the inward. Amen. And that, that's kind of how I want to end this series is talking about this mindset. And I forget that I can move. In other words, we got this new fancy camera. You guys ready? Here I go. Uh, I I actually prefer to walk around a little bit because I feel like I can look in your eyes and connect with you. But but, um, anyway, so we're we're in number six of Know Your Enemy. And I have enjoyed this series. You know, sometimes I start these series off and I don't 100% go fully into what I think it might be, but then what it ends up becoming is what it needs to be, Amen. I just feel like we're just following the Lord through this process. Uh, in equip, so this com- it's this coming Wednesday, um, right? right. Yeah. yeah, this coming Wednesday, we will we have equip, which is the first Sun first Wednesday of every month. Um, we have ministry for all ages available. But in equip, we just become we talk about ways to be equipped for the work of the ministry, in our ministry of reconciliation. And Mike was so gracious to offer himself to allow us to practice casting devils out of him this Wednesday. So um, he says no. No, he changes my... I'm teasing. You know I'm kidding. Um, But, you know, so life life happens, and especially around the holidays, those of us that have lost people, you know, it's just different. It's not fun. It's not fun. And you have all these memories, and you... You deal with all that stuff, and then you look at other people that are struggling, and sometimes you just want to retreat. How many of you would prefer to retreat in the holidays? Yeah, it's like, let me just go ride it out, you know? And and a lot of us deal with that. And then life keeps happening. So I I wanted to mention this week um, just, you know, a couple of, it's, you know, just some losses. Know Lynn is Lynn is here. You lost your mother recently. I know how that feels, and you know many of you know Laura and um, Dustin. Laura usually sits over here. Laura is our accountant. You guys know Laura. She might be watching. We love you guys, but her partner Dustin Barber he passed away suddenly this week. Young guy. I think he's in his thirties, um, but I I don't know the exact details. I think he had an accident and then went into cardiac arrest. I know shoddy details, I'm not exactly sure, but we pray for you guys, we love you. His, you know that his family you know, was with him, and so they're working on all those plans, and it was Thanksgiving Day that he passed. And then, now this one, some of you guys already know, some of you don't know, and some of you know them, but um, Chris Kaufman, some of you guys remember, a couple of years ago, they were part of our body, but I've stayed connected with them, and we've spent a lot of time ministering to that family. Uh, but Shay and Chris Kaufman, so Chris passed away on Tuesday. And we heard from Shay, and, you know, so he's got a couple of teenage children, and we're praying for them, you know. And, and I know Shay watches a lot. And we love you. We're praying for your children and for your family. They just lost their grandmother in that family as well. So, you know, we, 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 uh, that's, the, that's an aspect of life. I was, I was reading um, Nate Tanner. You guys remember Nate Tanner? Nate Tanner's an evangelist that is just doing amazing work and traveling in all these African countries. He was here a few months ago. But that's a ministry that we very much are connected with. They're going to stay connected with and continue to support he has L3 ministry, Ministries, and... He, he made this post on Facebook that I'd read this week that was about a story when he was ministering in some place and there were thousands out there and it was a predominantly Hindu nation and they just saw salvations and miracles and it, it was amazing. And he said on the way back to the hotel from that um, gathering, there had been a motorcycle accident and you could tell the guy, they said the guy had been there for a while and he was, you know, laying there on the street. He'd passed and, and he went into this... Uh, some statistics about life in general, about um, really death statistics. And he came down to, at this point in our population, two people per second die in the world. And, of course, he presented it in such a way, it's like, man, we need to be about the gospel. Amen? Because people don't know. People have been burned and turned away from Jesus because of the church. <laughs> and and, and a, lot of, a lot of places just don't know. Now, I believe that God is loving. And, you know, I've, I've prayed about it. And we've all had these thoughts. And, I'm, you know, just allow me to kind of process and think out loud for a minute. But, you know, let's say somebody maybe in some country that's never even heard of Jesus. They've never heard of the Jewish carpenter that was birthed into the earth that we now know is the Messiah, God incarnate, that gave himself for the sin of of the world, that through him we have salvation. If some people never hear that story, there's got to be an opportunity at some point, whether it be at the point of death or something, where they have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. And the reason I say that is because we do know that when Jesus passed on the cross, and went into the grave, one of the things that he did was preach the gospel to those that never heard the gospel. So those, all those that had died before him had the opportunity to hear the gospel in the grave and then rise with him. I mean, praise God. I'm not saying now on this side of the cross, people still in the grave have the opportunity to change their mind because you slide down that slippery slope into, you know, Christocentric universalism and there's a lot of that stuff going on and perverting the gospel. Uh, so I'm not making a case for that, but I'm making a case for God's going to make sure people hear the gospel in one way or the other. Are you with me? I don't know how that works, but I just trust that he's just. And, uh, but we do still continue. Now, the thing is, there are people that have heard it but have not made that decision. And they've not made that decision in a lot of ways because they've not understood the gospel. And, and like what Sarah was just kind of encouraging us this morning, I think we just want to, one of the things that I want you to take away from this message today is just, just be willing to be used by God, right? You don't, you don't have to figure out how to save the world, how to save all your friends and family. Most likely, it's not going to be you that reaches your friends and family anyway, statistically. It's going to be somebody else. But you can plant those seeds of the gospel in there and somebody else reap that harvest, so, I'm not saying you have to take on this sense of obligation and a burden for the world and walk around feeling heavy all the time, but just be aware. There are people out there that you cross their paths that have not heard the gospel. You know, my upbringing, I, I had not heard the gospel. I knew something about Jesus, something about a cross, you know, the Bible, didn't really know until I heard the gospel. And that's what we want to do. We want to continually present it to you in such a way where you are firm and solid on the finished work of Christ and what he did and what's available in him. And then we spend a lot of time focusing on how do I work out my own salvation? In other words, how do I live well within what I have in Christ? Amen? So this series, we've been talking about what that looks like in terms of, you know, demonic forces that are out there in the world. And, you know, it's, it's just the reality We hear of all kinds of strange things, and most of us have had some type of experience, some type of weird encounter where we can't quite explain what happened. It's a little bit outside the ordinary, and some of us more than others. (laughs) Uh, But it's a reality. Dealing with lying and evil spirits is a reality. How do we deal with it? What I'm trying, and, and somebody, I can't remember who said it to me. Maybe if you're in the room, you can wave at me when I say this. But one of the things that somebody said to me is in, in the midst of this series, I thought was, you know, it, was, it really is one of my goals. And that is, I want to disempower that, that uh, perspective of the devil that makes you afraid. like. One of the fruits that I want you to walk away out of this series is you're not afraid of demons. You're not afraid of familiar, evil, lying spirits. You don't have to be afraid of that stuff. I mean, think about it. If they could, if they could kill you, they already would have. They already would have. What we're afraid of is what's going on in our lives that causes those things to be in our lives. What we're afraid of is the mindsets that we have about what those things are associated with and we don't know how to deal with that stuff. And, and you know, I, I don't... Most of you will never be in a situation where there's a demonized person that's spitting and screaming and climbing the walls and all that kind of stuff and manifesting and their flesh being torn and all that. Has anybody ever been in that situation? Yeah, three. And it was probably in some you know, country where, they're, where they really entertain that mindset, where they're you know, worshiping ancestral spirits and all that darkness. I'm not saying it's not in the US, because it is. I have been in some of those situations. Lyle and I, I mean, just, I don't even know, a couple of years ago maybe, we went to this guy's house and we knew you know, they, it was somebody that, well, let me just say, we knew, I knew through the gift of discerning of spirits, that this guy was struggling with some stuff. And and there was kind of a a push and pull. He was in this, and I really connected with this guy because I'd been through some of the stuff that he was experiencing in the moment. And there was kind of this push and pull with him of experiencing the freedom in Christ, but yet still kind of being tormented by these spirits that were in his life, hearing voices uh, a deception in a way that, that caused him to try to, you know, that, that was trying to pull him away from the knowledge of God, right? It's so like an alien kind of a thing. It's like, well, so the, there's different deceptions that they'll come at you with, but stuff that you're already thinking about and struggling with. And I remember we went this one time and sat in his house, and, and I just felt like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna go a little bit deep. And and, and and this was probably my sixth or eighth contact with the guy. So it wasn't like, you instantly go after this devil, right? And start trying to cast this devil out and slapping them with Bibles and sticking crosses on their forehead and slapping oil on them and getting them to puke in a bucket, you know what I mean? I mean, honestly, even if they do that stuff, unless they deal with the mindset, the stronghold that that enemy is trying to reinforce, then they're just going through religious exercises and and maybe cranking up some endorphins and feel better after the meeting, but if they don't change that inner man, they're still dealing with the issues that have attracted that enemy in the first place. So we were praying for this guy, and you could feel it. You could feel some sort of manifestation coming in the room, and, and what he was telling us is that the aliens are coming, I feel like there's, I feel like what they're telling me is that there's an alien and none of this stuff is real. And, and so we're kind of communicating, but I'm keeping a calm environment and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to connect with him and, and help him stay at peace. And then there was a moment where we kind of did some, a little bit directed, powerful prayer, and then you could just feel it. And then, and then you could see him. It just kind of, he just kind of like woke up. I mean, you remember that. It just kind of shifted. And, and, I, and I remember you telling it afterward. It's like, you said, it got pretty intense in there. You know? <laughs> and I look over at Lyle at one point. He's just kind of watching, you know. But, but it wasn't some fantastic thing where we had to battle the devil. The battle is here in the mind. It's in the heart. It's in that soulish realm, right? The enemy is real. The enemy is going to try to come into your life. I don't focus on a lot. You know, those of you that have been in this church for a long time, I don't give the enemy a lot of place because that, that's not where the battle is. The battle is your beliefs. The battle is the strongholds or the, you know, you can have strongholds of truth. The fact that you are righteous in Christ can be a stronghold for you, right? In other words, you can have anchors of truth within you that you hold on to, that when you're holding on to those things, the enemy has nothing because he starts coming at you and starts trying to, get you to question your salvation. And if you have a stronghold of righteousness inwardly, you know that your salvation is based on the blood of Christ alone. And so that lie has no grip within your mind to be entertained because you've already settled the fact that, no, my salvation is in Christ alone. I didn't do anything to get it. I can't do anything to keep it. Christ gave it to me. That's it, settled issue. However, there might be things that you believe about yourself, where you are still continuing to entertain that influence. But you don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to be afraid of the enemy. What's he going to do? Manifest in front of you? Lie to you? Scratch you? Move a candle across your room? I mean, really, the things that we've heard about what the enemy might do. How many of you have ever experienced some type of manifestation or you've heard this or that. And I'll even say this, since preaching this series, and, and if, this is, if you're one of these people, just, just ride this out with me. This is not personal, but I wanna deal with mindsets because there are other people in the same boat that didn't say anything. I've had four different people, some part of this church, some part of the remote church, contact me and say, since this series started, I've been experiencing manifestations. One person was hearing voices. One person saw a figure, a dark figure in their room. Um, uh, The other person um, started entertaining thoughts that were driving other kinds of behaviors, and I can't remember what the fourth one was, all all similar. This stuff kind of crept back up. And and so the the, the tendency is, well, why is that happening? What did I do to open this door? What What is wrong with me? that the enemy would be messing with me like this. I've done something wrong. There's something wrong with me. Now let me go into this deep introspective mindset and let me try to figure out what I've done. And so you start looking for lack in there to figure out why this is happening. Well, guess what? Demons and evil spirits will show up into your life to lie to you, to distract you, to rob the knowledge of God, to rob confidence, to get you off base, to push you a little bit and get you where you're misstepping because they don't want you growing. They don't want you succeeding. They don't want you experiencing salvation. They don't want you experiencing the things that Jesus died for you to have. So of course they're going to come and mess with Christians. So if that stuff happens to you, don't be afraid. I love the story. You guys know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Healing evangelist back in the early 1900s, I think, maybe maybe a little bit later. But he has a story, and I, I don't know the whole story, so if you know it better, I'll let you tell it later. But, but the story pretty much goes like this. He woke up, and he, he felt like he saw a dark figure who he identified as the, you know, an enemy, a devil, in his room. And he said he looked at it, and, and he was like, oh, it's just you, and went back to sleep. Now there's probably more to that but when I'm when I, I tell that story to deal with the attitude to deal with the mindset of it right I remember personally when I went through what I was going through legit hearing voices thinking that I was in this alternate reality just bizarre stuff and walking out my salvation walking out my deliverance I would still be provoked and have these thoughts that that at a certain point they didn't they weren't uh, these external audible voices that I was hearing any longer, that, that had passed, but now it was the stuff that we deal with on the day-to-day realm, and that is these thoughts that would creep in. Well, maybe you're not alive. Maybe it's too late for you. Maybe you really should have been a comedian because your life's a joke, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, th- yeah, you know, but things like that to just defile and undermine and just shame you, right? You've had those thoughts, the imposter mindset creeps in, well, I'm not really, I'm doing this, but boy, if people knew. Or you just don't have the emotions that own the opportunity or the situation. In, in other words, you feel less than what you're called to do. And so those thoughts creep in. Well, maybe I really shouldn't be that. Maybe I'm not that. Maybe I'm not this. Now, here's the thing. Those are your thoughts, <laughs> But the enemy will get on that same wave, wavelength and reinforce it so that it becomes louder and it gets magnified. You know how you're supposed to magnify the Lord within your own mind and heart? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, and the king of everlasting life will come in. You know there's, there's, this, there's this element of magnification that you engage in inwardly. You can magnify the presence of the Lord. You can magnify the voice of the Lord. You can magnify peace, joy, righteousness, you know, and, and I can't really explain how to do that to you. Like this morning today, I was, I was allowing hope to be magnified within me. But, you know, the, the anchor of our, my, I just saw that picture and I just, you know, I'm a visual person and, I, and I'm a musical person, so I can really get in a vibe with music and, and allow it to just, just work, you know. And, and some of you, it's, The sound of your lawnmower or the sound of your rod and reel, whatever it is for you, you know. Maybe it's the sound of your own voice speaking or singing or worshiping, whatever whatever it is for you. What is it for you that you get into that where you can magnify the Lord, right, inwardly? Because there are lying spirits that are going to try to magnify other things, but those other things are already in you. So if the enemy's coming at you, yes, you might need to go and find, you might need help. You might need some ministry to deal with not the devil, but your beliefs, your heart, maybe even your behaviors. But the behaviors are kind of the last aspect of what you deal with, right? You might start there and work your way backward into it, but your behaviors are only a reflection of your beliefs. And so what you really got to do is get down in there and deal with what do I believe? So if the enemy's coming at you, and you want to do some heart work don't ask where what don't start with your behavior what did i do to allow this what's going on in my life that that i'm doing wrong for the, to invite this deal with what am i believing that generates such a fear and insecurity that i would be afraid because some lying spirit wants to try to work in my life I don't know that I said that in the clearest way, that last sentence. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't care if a devil shows up in my life. They're powerless. They are under my feet. They are under the feet of Christ. Christ has stripped them of all authority and power. The only thing the enemy can do to me is lie to me. And the only power that that lie has is, what I, is, is the degree to which I already agree with that inwardly. That's what I got to deal with. So if you're involved in inner healing programs or deliverance programs or counseling or whatever, yeah, you deal with behavioral stuff. There might be some things that you engage in, but you got to deal with the heart. It is with the heart that we believe. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. Guard your heart above all else for it affects every aspect of life. Amen. What you believe about yourself, you'll have. And what you believe about yourself, you'll allow others to do to you, whether it be people or spirits. What you believe about yourself will determine what you allow to happen to you. Now, there are situations we are victimized. I'm not talking about, you know, there, there are injustices that happen that are completely out of our control. That, that stuff does happen. And so I'm not, you know, that, that's a different kind of a category. But but what I'm talking about in general is your day-to-day life, the inner world that you allow to be created through your beliefs and your thoughts are either going to entertain the Word of God or entertain lies. And you're never in neutral. I'm not saying you've got to work all the time, but you're either standing on the Word of God or you're not. Now, you can get your mind and your heart so rooted in the Word of God that that's your default, Did you hear me? You can renew your mind, repent to the degree that the Word of God is your default. And and, and it is in a lot of areas in our lives, but it's not in some other areas. And, and, And especially if we've dealt with some issues in our past, and then we make some mistakes, and then we start trending back toward those old ways of thinking, watch out because you're setting yourself up for failure. It's not the enemy creeping into your life and robbing you and stealing your life away. And boy, I tell you what, every time I try to get ahead, the enemy comes, he just wrecks it and destroys it. Well, well, don't let him. How do I not let him? Believe that you have a future and a hope in God because he has good plans for you. Engage in that put-off, put-on lifestyle where you're constantly putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Amen? Amen. And I'll say this, too. Some of us are dealing with people in our lives that, you know, it's an extreme situation. Now, this is a little specific, so if this doesn't apply to you, it might help you and minister to somebody else. But sometimes we're in these situations where you're dealing with extremes. Let's say friends or a couple or whatever are are dealing with extremes, severe alcoholism, severe depression and anxiety extremes that, that cause you to not get down into the, the deeper things of, of relationship to, to deal with uh, you know stuff that is keeping you apart at a deeper level. So in other words, let's say you have a couple, both deal with alcoholism, both deal with just extreme behaviors or whatever, and they both start to get some healing and they both start to Come to know, you know, they come to the Lord, they start to walk a, a a a little bit more clean lifestyle, and they and they start getting down to and now this may be yourself as well, even with your relationship with yourself. I feel like the Lord just kind of showed me that. This may relate to you and yourself. So you start to do, you start to do a little bit better, you start to clean up some of that. Erratic behavior and erratic thoughts and you start to kind of settle down into maturity, start to grow up a little bit, you start to take responsibility for life. And then you get down into those areas in your heart where resentment might live or uh, there's some residual trauma for what you've done to yourself or what somebody else has done to you. And those are the times, and, and I've seen this so many times. I've seen this so many times. I know you're a I, I finally recognize who you are. Well, tell me your name. Connie. Connie you got a ministry, right? Arise, is it Arise? Arise Counseling? You probably, she's, probably, she's, she's here at this church. So maybe you probably know some hard stuff. Anyway, I'm, women, go see her. <laughs> uh, but it just, it just hit me. Um, so you get down and you start dealing with this stuff. And I've watched a lot of people do this. They'll start dealing, they'll start getting some uh, success and some growth and some spiritual fruit in their lives. But all of a sudden, this weird behavior creeps back up or this erratic fear or, or something will happen where it's like, oh, I thought I was already done with that. Well, here's what happens. Your heart is like a tablet and you write things on there and there's layers to it. And so if you find yourself growing and succeeding and experiencing fruit and, and then all of a sudden this crazy thing happens that's out of character for the track that you've been walking on, probably, not 100%, probably what's happening is you're, and let me use this metaphor, you're getting deep enough into your heart to deal with some other unresolved things that's like phew, some steam gets let out, Right? It's like you've got some other stuff buried down in there and you get down into well I'm doing pretty good and I've been dealing with this and I've been dealing I've been growing I've been experiencing and then then you're crazy again and you wake up and you're like what what am I doing I thought I was already past this well you're just down to a place in your heart where you now there's just it's just another level it's just another aspect of growth mind renewal putting off putting on just stay the course don't judge yourself through the process one of those things might be demonic manifestation in your life again for some strange reason. I'm not trying to be the the authority of all this stuff. I, you know, this is a little bit more subjective because I'm speaking out of experience and I'm speaking out of experience with other people and observing and years of doing this, you know, stuff and watching how people behave. And and, I, and, and God showed me that one time. That's like, no, you get down to a point where. You just got some stuff that you, you really stuffed it. And so now it's time to deal with that. And one of those things I've seen is resentment. Resentment where, you know, resentment can be, you kind of, you, you, you've been in this extreme realm for so long that you get down to this place where you're kind of adopting a little bit more maturity. You're ready to grow up a little bit, experience a little bit more fruit, follow the call of God on your life maybe. But then there's people in your life, and you're like, there's a resistance to them because you feel like, well, you've kind of been the source of my pain for a long time, and why did I allow that? Or I've always been uh, you know, negatively affected by you because of my stuff, and now I'm down to it, and the presence of you in my life is irritating to me, and I don't know what to do about it, but uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Res- resentment can come out like... I'm a little doing a little bit better, but this issue with you is a problem. That was very clunky. I said that very clunky. I probably could have studied out resentment a little bit better on that one, just so you know. I'll own that for a moment. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? So I don't, you know, the devil is like the least of my worries, the fact that there might be some kind of lying spirit messing with me. Now, here's the deal. Here's the issue. Why is that thing there? That, that's where we go. That's where we try to deal with it. That, or that's, 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 that's how we examine ourselves. Now, let's, let's remove it from the idea of a spirit in your life and just deal with a repetitive, destructive behavior or these negative thoughts or these emotions that start creeping back in. Let's call those demons for a moment. Are you with me? Well, he deals with, he just got all these demons. He deals with The demon in his life is anxiety. The demon in his life is fear. You know what I mean? So in other words, let's not make a devil hide behind the bush of every problem in your life, but deal with actual legit things that you have going on. We'll call those demons for a moment How do you deal with that stuff? And so what happens is when uh, extreme things like that happen in our lives, the proper thing to do is become introspective. In other words, go inwardly. Make sure that your heart is at peace with the Lord and with yourself. Remember how we talked about last week this idea of a clear conscience? Let me just read that again. You know, we've been talking about Um, spiritual warfare, dealing with the mind. We talked about this idea from Hebrews 10.22, Let us draw near with a true heart or a clear heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil or guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what this is saying is we have access to God, the throne of God. We are hidden with Christ in Him. We are the righteousness of God in Him. He has taken all the penalty and guilt and shame for our sin, right? You acknowledge that. You are saved. You are redeemed in Him. You've been given the gift of eternal life. Now, you can live this life full of His peace, hope, and joy, and His power, bearing the fruits of the Spirit, walking in the ministry of reconciliation to others, right? However, you got some stuff going on in your life that you aren't particularly proud of. You're entertaining these behaviors. You're entertaining these thoughts. You speak this way about this person. You watch this. You eat this. You, Whatever it is, all of these things cloud the mind and the heart. And when we approach God... Religion, performance-centered religion, will teach you that as you get closer to God, He starts shining brighter and brighter and brighter on your darkness, showing you how dark and dirty and sinful and evil and what, you really are. That's a Greek term, blech. Are you with me? And so a lot of Christianity will teach you that you should approach God with this guilty mindset I'm ashamed as if you got to apologize to God and the degree to which you feel sorry before him then he'll say oh you boy you really recognize how worthless you are let me now give you some forgiveness that's not repentance is not when you put on this worthless mindset repentance is when you humble yourself and you say in spite of this I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I belong in this eternal realm. I can walk straight up to the throne of God because that's my father. He loves me. He's not going to reject me. I've made this mistake over here. I've got this stuff that I'm entertaining, but I'm going to put that off. And when I go to God, I'm not going to drag that stuff in because he's already dealt with it. It doesn't mean that you let it stay in your life because you got to deal with it. But the way that you deal with it is going before him and cleansing all of that stuff out. Clear that guilty conscience. If that means you confess sin to him and you're honest with him, I see it as like you're repairing a relationship. Uh, Confessing sin to God is not like going and turning yourself into the police and being ready to face the consequences. That's how we think confessing sin is. Well, I guess i got to go turn myself in now. wonder what the verdict will be. I don't know what my punishment's going to be. That's not it. Confessing sin to the Father is, oh man. You already know. You already know, but but I know that you are the only source of hope for me. Help. I can trust you because you love me. You died for me. Right? That that that's confessing of sin. Go to him for and you clear that stuff out. Because it's the guilt and the shame that you hold within you that's driving that destructive behavior anyway. So you go to him. You confess it. And he's faithful and just to continually cleanse. He's going to keep you clean. But having your heart sprinkled, your mind sprinkled from that guilty conscience, you got to own it, but you got to put it off. And you got to deal with it. Amen? And if the enemy comes and tries to scare you, so what? I mean, I, that might not be the most theological perspective, but it is my perspective. So what? What are they going to do? It's me that has control. I have control of myself. I have control of my life and my mind. I don't have to continually give in to this. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not giving place for some secret mystical... You know, we already dealt with the idea of generational curses last week. Let me read this, um, and, and I, and, you know, I kind of want you to go into this. I mean, you're probably already there. I see a lot of people are thinking. Uh, you're, you're reflecting and, and, uh, and internalizing, and, and I want you to do that. I want you to let it minister to you, challenge you, learn a little bit, <clears throat> set you free, give you a little bit of hope, but, but challenge you also. But I just want you to know you don't have to walk around afraid. You don't have to walk around worried that that one thing that you've done is now going to be the tipping point that allows all this destruction to come into your life. So many people deal with this foreboding mindset. In other words, waiting for the bad thing to happen. Don't raise your hand because I don't really want you to own it, but I do want you to own it a little bit. (laughs) How many of you, when like five good things happen in a week, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. It's getting too good. <laughs> Honestly, it's getting too good. <laughs> that, that's called foreboding. That, that is a... Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm, I'm serious here. That's called foreboding, and that is a vain imagination that is exalting itself against <laughs> the knowledge of God. The fact that you are expecting something negative to happen is not from God. Now, life happens, Right? We lose people, we lose jobs, the economy tanks, we get sick. I mean, stuff happens, right? But that doesn't mean that you have to have this expectation of darkness just because things are going well. You got to deal with that. And the way that you deal with that is when it comes, you put it off. Man, we're superstitious, aren't we? Well, see, if I don't do anything, here comes the foreboding. If I don't, I don't know, we get weird on stuff like that. We, we, we come up with all these little idiosyncrasies of how to ward that off as if it's like wearing garlic to keep the vampires away or something like that. <laughs> knocking on wood. My dad did that constantly, knocking on wood. Anybody anybody have somebody in your life that's a wood knocker? Knock on wood, let me tell you. Now, that, that, here's, the th- here's the interesting thing about that. I, listen, I'm not saying stop doing that, but what that does to you is it gives you a sense of confidence that you don't need that wood to have. Like, what that does is it gives you a confidence that it can be okay. But you know what? I want the Lord to be that confidence for you that it can be okay. And He's always with you. What if you don't have wood around you? (laughs) What are you going to do? I want to walk through this, and, and I want I want to give you some homework as we wrap up this series, as we wind this down. I really didn't plan on this series going as long as it did into Thanksgiving. You know, I wanted to kind of I wanted to talk about that, uh, but as we transition into Christmas season, we we have a, next week we have we have Tori's got a message for us. We got some you know fun ministry next week. It'll be kind of a transitional, but I'm looking forward to that and then I'll slide into it. I'm not exactly sure what the next series is. Uh, uh, wisdom, maybe, in relation to... Uh, well, anyway, I'll, I have it in my heart, but it will be there when it needs to be. So, but here's your homework. This week, I want you to meditate on Psalm 34. And here's a good exercise for you to do. You can go... Uh, most of us have a Bible app already in our phones but I want you to do this. I want you to read Psalm 34 in a different translation each day for the next week. And I just want you to think about it. It's not very long. It's short. But I just want you to read it. For just, you know, I just want you to read through it because I feel like the Lord's going to show you some things out of it. He's going to use it to minister to you. There's some promises in there that are amazing. And if you have experienced a sense of heightened uh, a. a fear or anxiety or awareness of darkness or manifestation or just anything as a result of thinking about the enemy, this is a process through which you can go through to recapture your mind and your heart, focus it back on the Lord, right? So under the old covenant, You had to keep the law and do these things and rituals in order to have the Spirit of God remain in your life. Well, now, on this side of the cross, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and it abides. It does not leave. The Holy Spirit will never, ever leave you. That means the authority that is the supreme authority of everything is always with you. So when it comes to... Either your own sense of foreboding where you're expecting negativity to come in and you have to put that in and it it's a battle. I mean you might feel like you're going crazy to try to control your thoughts in that mindset, because remember, just just before we go into this, this 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 is where spiritual warfare actually happens, and it's this. For though we walk this is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God in pulling down strongholds, all right? So how do I pull down strongholds? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you kept writing. Strongholds, how do you do that? Casting down arguments or imaginations is a root word there, uh, 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 another aspect of that definition, arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every demon into captivity, as I lasso them with my magic wand and force them at the foot of the cross. Sorry, I know I've been like really serious and I went there and you know, they're like. But you've been in those, some of you, some of you have been in those deliverance sessions where you're trying to tie up the devil. I mean, bind the devil. So binding the devil... Gets mixed in this idea of this tool that Jesus gave us for His Word binding and loosing, we mix it with this idea of bringing our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and it somehow merges into through deliverance ministry. You got to tie up the devil. Some of you are sitting here thinking, "Oh my gosh, I never. You mean I'm not supposed to have to tie up? Have to supposed to tie up the devil? You still think you got to tie up the devil?" Jesus stripped him. He's a toothless, thumbless, big-toeless, weaponless entity that stands in your life and lies to you, and that's it. Do like Jesus. Watch this. Here's what Jesus says. Wait, do I have it? I'm skipping around in my own message here. Yeah, that's it. Matthew 4.10, this is talking to the enemy. Then Jesus said to him, away with you. Just say, away with you. (laughs) That's a prophetic, powerful expression. (laughs) And the devil left him. Away, away with you. Now, here's the thing. It's easier to get rid of demons than it is your own negative thought patterns. That's what they're reinforcing. It's easier to get rid of evil spirits than your own self-deceptions. I'll just let that lovely little piece of fruit lie there and do its own thing. So we'll end on this, back to 34 or Psalm 34, verse 1. Now, this, the, if you're looking for formulas, you can consider this a formula, okay? You got some things you're dealing with in your life. How many of you want to see growth? You want to see fruits of the Spirit manifest in your life. You want to see the promises in your life. You want to see a sense of confidence grow up in your heart that launches you into that calling on your life. I don't mean you quit your job and go into formal ministry because your calling can be right in the middle of where you are right now and probably is, but you have that boldness to step out into it. This is a... Uh, so, so in other words, when you're, when, you have, when you're about to fail, when you're tempted, and there's, plen- there's many of them like this you can use like this. When you're struggling with that foreboding sense, that expectation of negativity that guilt and shame because all that, that thing creeps back up again in your life, whatever it might be that's trying to rise up and rob your confidence, this is a formula that you can walk through. This is not just poetry. It's, it's written in poetry, but it's an actual process that you can ga- engage in. There are steps here. So as I read through this, I want you to kind of see yourself taking these steps in, in your life. Now, you're not going to fully connect to it in this moment right now, You might have an incredibly powerful revelatory experience right now, but you probably won't. You can. It's okay. (laughs) But what I'm saying is take this and do something with this this week. Take this psalm. Let it create emotion within you. In fact, act out on it. I mean, honestly, as you read through these, now I'm not reading the entire psalm. I'm just reading a little bit of it. But as you read through each psalm, act out on it. Like, actually take a step to the degree that it shifts you away from that sense of foreboding, that negativity, that despair, that sorrow, that anger, that frustration, that whatever it is that rises up within you. Do this. Walk through this process. Install it into your mind and your heart so it becomes a mechanism that you default to rather than running the destructive cycle. Are you with me? You can take the Word of God and hold it in your heart to the degree that it just springs up when you start dealing with stuff. It just comes out of nowhere, it just pops up. How many of you have passages that you've memorized and you're dealing with stuff and it just boom, just pops up? But, you know, we need more of those. All right, so here we go. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. Number one. How do you bless the Lord? What does that look like for you? Have you ever blessed the Lord? Do you believe that you can engage Him and move toward Him in such a way that that it's a blessing to Him? What does that that look like? How are you how can you bless the Lord? I don't want to tell you because it's your relationship with Him. But don't make it just about your performance. Make it a heart connection. Maybe you tell him things that you're thankful for. I'll say that as an example. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's an action there. Is praise toward him in your mouth? Are you actually speaking it out? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen? Praise. Now, I don't just mean religious activity. Because some of you are not churched, or you know, that you don't, you, this is, it's foreign to you, or you've, or you've done this kind of thing and you're like, oh, I don't wanna go back. <laughs> I'm over that stuff. Make it real for you. This is the word of God given to us, it's life to us. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Now, don't just read through these. I mean, you could just take verse one and two. And just sit and, and for an hour, and just allow that. Now, let me let me respond in the moment. So, in other words, don't just read this and think, "What am I supposed to do?" Read it and just sit and be aware of the presence of the Lord. Now, don't think that you got to hear a voice, and don't think that you, don't don't put yourself in a position where it's like, "Okay, I, now I'm waiting for some information, Lord." I've read it. You tell me what... Let it be an, an, an open, fluid process, right? Let this be a fluid process where you're not forcing anything one way or the other. You're not forcing anything one way or the other, but you are directing your thoughts to this Word, and you are having the expectation of it to change what's going on inside of you. You're opening yourself, and you're being willing to God, the Spirit of God, to move within you in such a way... And don't judge yourself based on what does or doesn't happen, okay? You're just holding this in your mind, opening your heart to him, acknowledging his presence, and trusting that there's there's relationship happening. And watch what happens. It can be pretty amazing. So my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. How do you make him bigger in your thoughts and in your heart? We're really good at making other things bigger in our mind and our focusing on that. We're really good at meditating on things until we're angry. But can you meditate on things until you feel blessed of the Lord, till you feel the peace rise up in you? Man, I'm I'm talking, this is full-grown, maturity, mature Christian stuff where you take responsibility for your thoughts and your emotions you submit yourself to the Lord, and you allow your inner state to, to be changed by the Word. That is a power. If you can learn to do that, you are, you are. What's the word? Bold. Unstoppable. What? Bold. Bold? Bold. Gold. Bold. I like it. Magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. So here, when I hear name, I never think Jehovah or Jesus in terms of J-E-S-U-S. Every time I read and let us exalt his name, that means who is he? What is the character behind who he is? What is his integrity? So when I think about let us exalt his name, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to lift up. He is my provider. He is my deliverer. He is my wonderful counselor. He is my Prince of Peace. He is the Great and Mighty One. The Lord, my God, is my Maker. You know, you lift up the majesty of who He is, the authority of who He is in your heart. And, and, the, and as you do that, you will actually start to believe that He is your Deliverer, and you will host the opportunity to, for Him to provide for you because He's trying to. Magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Notice that's after the magnification, the exalting, the blessing of His name. I ex- so remember, you're already delivered. Colossians tells us that we have been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So you're not doing this hoping that the Lord's going to show up into your life and then deliver you. What you're doing is is you're hosting the opportunity for yourself to experience what he's already given you. But there is a relational element there because he's active in your life. Amen? I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Then verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. I love that. They were radiant. Um, I put it in the wrong place, but in another translation, it says, oh, this is right. And their faces were not ashamed. Uh, Another translation of that, not ashamed, says lightened. Think about your actual face. Remember when we did that series and we talked about the power poses? We did those dumb things, you know, where you take deep breaths and you put your hands up and do Superman pose. You all want to do the Superman pose? (laughs) That works for some people. Some people, it's like, you feel you just feel stupid. I'm, what do I do? <laughs> but there's a physiological response to, so, so, so do this for a minute. Think about somebody that's depressed and what does their face look like? What, what does their posture look like? Think about somebody that's afraid. What does their face look like? And their posture. Now think about somebody that's confident and at peace. What does their face look like? Are you, are you with me? So it's a result, but you can actually kind of jumpstart your physiology, lift up your head, smile, not faking it, but just self-control, right? Aligning yourself to experience God. Uh, this poor man cried out, talking about himself, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear. And, of course, Jesus, when he said, you shall fear the Lord, Jesus translated that you shall worship the Lord your God. So it's talking about worship and delivers them. And then this is the last couple of verses. This is 34, 19, and 22. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. They're coming. The world's got plenty of trouble. You're going to be afflicted. You're going to experience pressure, tribulation. It's not from the Lord, but it's coming. It's going to be in your life. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Say all. Then finally, 34, 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. I, I I I want you to master your soul. I want you to become a master of your inner world where when you're burdened, fearful, anxious, angry, you go through this process and you reset your inner man back on him because that is your default. You are at peace with the Lord. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. I mean, what a promise. Amen? Walk through this process You know, I mean, we didn't quite in this series get to the point where we're talking about deliverance and casting out. But even if you're engaged in a situation where you need to help somebody deal with legit demons, you walk them through these same prompt, through these same, you know, uh, there's probably, we should build deliverance ministries based on this. Psalm 34 rather than, well, was your grandma, your grandfather a mason and, What did you do when you were 12? And You know what I mean? All that. Again, that's a theological. Are you with me? Man, let's be confident and bold in the Lord. Let's be confident and bold in who we are in Him. Stand in our authority in Him. And then we're in this position where last two passages... You know, this is a reality. James 4, 7, therefore therefore submit to God. I will submit to you that walking through Psalm 34 is a way to submit to God. Resist the devil. That means you just stand in your authority in peace, and he will flee from you. Amen? He has to. He will just go away. And then the last idea is this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. This this is the end goal, is for when you have engaged the Word of God, you've put off the negativity, you've resisted the enemy, you're at a place where you know His love, you feel powerful, and your mind is clear. Now, that might mean you have some behaviors that you've got to deal with to get to that place, but there's grace, power for that right? There's power to help you move in that direction. Amen? Let's stand up, put our attention on the Lord for just a moment, and I want you to just think about what are you taking out of this message today? What is it that you're, that that, that you, the Lord spoke to you, that you heard today, just something that you're remembering, something that you're going to do? I want you to commit to walking through Psalm 34 in a different translation every day this week and own it and let it be a blessing to you and expect it to shape your inner man in such a way that you're changed and you learn how to not be subjected by any demon, whether that be your own deceptions of yourself or an actual lying spirit. The enemy has no place in our lives Father, I thank you that you have given us power. You have delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that we are hidden with Jesus in you. You have placed all of our shame and guilt on Christ. You made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become righteous in you. We admit and we acknowledge that we in this moment are righteous. Say, I am righteous. I am holy. I am accepted. I am forgiven, and I am powerful because the Spirit of the living God dwells within me. Now, y'all tapered off there, but when you do this on your own, feel it, you know? You might feel silly, silly but feel it. Change that inner world because it, you know, there, there's a, there's a power and there's a There's a a realm that you can walk in where you're experiencing and representing God that's better than you can ask or imagine. Amen. You're going to need it for the holidays and going into January because where God has taken the church, it's time to represent the gospel. Amen. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this body. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Father, I speak life and blessing and health and provision all of the aspects of your name your character traits over this body by the power of your spirit we thank you that we are your children and if you're in this place and you don't know that you are a born again child of god or you're watching online online you can go to our website forward.church and scroll down to there's a, a graphic there that says, who is Jesus? Go read that. If you're in the room today and you're not sure, it's very easy. Just, tell your, just open your heart and say, I'm willing to believe that what Jesus did was for me.